The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Good morning, everyone. Before I continue, I want to thank Reverend Vanessa for inviting me to speak, to the staff and the volunteers who've been so gracious in helping me prepare. I want to thank Rochelle, one of our school's newest board members, for the beautiful music that we've had this morning. I'm so appreciative. And of course, I want to bring greetings from the students, faculty, and staff at Star King School for the ministry now located on the campus of Mills College in Oakland, California. We are in the thick of it now, that season of often cloying cheerfulness. Though Hanukkah is behind us, much of the spate of winter holidays is still before us, Yule and Christmas and Kwanzaa all the way through to New Year's Day and January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany. The events of last January 6th will forever be linked with the near death of American democracy. So I'm grateful for my Catholic upbringing to give me another memory of that day. So many holidays, so much enforced joy. It takes a toll on a lot of us. It taunts us with the missing faces and the missing voices of those we cannot see this year and those we will never see again on this side of earth. My parents, my in-laws, my brother-in-law, they're all gone now. Each year, the list of friends we contact grows a little smaller. These past two years of pandemic life have left us awkward and stumbling. When I was younger, I took holidays for granted, the way I took a lot of things for granted. When I was an editor, my last career, the press of the holidays were different because winter holidays for magazines come in July. By the time it's actually Christmas in the real world, we were working on spring and Easter. That meant I was free to meet Bob's parents at church for the Christmas Eve performance of the Messiah, hang out for a few days in New Jersey and come back to New York. By the time I had children, it was different. I was a minister by then, responsible for Christmas Eve, at least the services. But we had our own new family rituals, church, dinner at a diner in Manhattan that rotated every year, home to open one present before sleeping, up the next morning to catch a plane to North Carolina in time for Christmas dinner. One by one, the lights of our lives were dimmed year by year. The Alzheimer's disease that stole away my father-in-law inch by inch except for one miraculous Christmas dinner where Mac knew everyone and everything 
Thanksgiving was the holiday for my family in Chicago until my mom got sick. In 2017, she was so ill we thought she'd die, and I asked God for one last Thanksgiving. We got it, and we all came home. I refused to admit how sick she was, but I can see it now in the photographs, those last photographs. And in that following winter, she slipped away in a hospital room full of 14 of us. That next Thanksgiving was filled with tears, but it changed to laughter soon as we told stories and consoled ourselves with the reality that she had lived long enough to see her beloved Cubs win the World Series. Just a little over a year ago, Bob's mother died at 102, just as she wanted to, in her own bed, in her own home, on land that was part of the farm on which she had been born and raised, a life lived full circle. So many people, so many friends, so much family gone, I no longer take anything for granted. And most of these things happened before the pandemic, a time in which all our losses seemed less intense and more intangible unless we were actually sick. The sense of safety, trips to the theater, traveling for work, going to work. My litany here is no different than yours. Even from this pulpit distance, I can see above your masks some of the pain and some of the tears in your eyes, the longing for people that you will not see again, the loss of parents and children and friends and colleagues and jobs and homes and health and leisure and safety. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to cry out, why can't things be the way they were? Why can't we go back to what it used to be? We can't, because that's not how life works. Everything is far and long gone by. I think that star glittering above me has been dead for a million years. And now the wheel of life has turned again to this season, this time when once again everyone insists on cheerfulness, even though cheerfulness is the last thing on our minds. Even before the pandemic, some of us were not happy to see family or even wanted to see them. Some of us are hurting and some of us are grieving and some of us are angry and some of us are too embarrassed to do anything except pretend. But here is what I know, at least for myself and at least for today. I am alive and so are you. I am alive, and though some days it feels as though I have been left behind, I also know that I am thrilled and grateful to still be here. There are still things, so many things, for which I am grateful, to which I am dedicated, that give me joy 
right now. Right now. The cute guy in the 10th row that has been my constant companion for my entire adult life. The two smart, creative, hilarious children that we've raised together. My wonderful siblings and their children and grandchildren. The work I get to do leading a Unitarian Universalist institution that we treat as a force multiplier, training a whole generation of religious leaders to disrupt white supremacy culture wherever they go, being in relationship with this congregation and the Hinckley Fund that you support that in turn has supported our work for years. I want to invite you to think about the sources of your joy this morning. Think about your own dedications. Think about your own satisfactions. Think about all those things you love that are still here. Think about all those people you love that are still here. Think about this faith that you love. This faith that is still here because of you. Considering that if you are listening this morning, you view this faith of ours in its finest moments as a gift of great value. This liberal faith of ours gives us the gift of freedom to believe or to doubt, the gift of reason to consider what we know of life and to compare it to the timeless wisdom of many people from many places. We have been given examples of courage in the service of humanity and a love that encompasses all of life. And you, in this congregation, have done your part in this great work. These are the kinds of treasures that transcend the seasons. They are not gifts to be hoarded, but gifts to be given away. They enrich us each one of us, but only if we give it away again and again, no matter what season we find ourselves in. There is so much in our life that is a gift and much of our life that is awful. Yes, it has been a terrible two years of this pandemic. Yes, it has been a terrible year for democracy. Yes, it has been a terrible year for freedom and the rights of marginalized people everywhere. That is the truth. And when you think of those things, you may be drawn deep into a vortex of despair over what we have lost and are losing. But I want to encourage you to resist despair and embrace being alive. For as long as we live, there is hope, a chance for things to be different, a chance for change. I want to encourage you to take time in this season of manufactured feelings to embrace real joy about real things, things that will last, things that will nurture you in these long months until the light changes and the flowers bloom again. It is essential for all of us to celebrate the gifts of this life, even as we acknowledge our sorrows.
Because sometimes it's only through connecting what is bitter and painful and making sure that we admit to these feelings and own them for ourselves. It's only through this that we eventually gain the capacity to celebrate. Rilke, in his despair, only asked for one star still to exist. But his lament was an understatement. There are so many more stars. They are up there, out there, on the far side of the universe. And here we are, tiny in comparison to all that was and is, but after all, still here and still shining, still glittering as best we can amidst our own cares and our own weariness, hoping to strengthen ourselves, longing to step out of our hearts and go walking beneath the enormous sky. Because of this faith tradition of ours, because of the work it calls us to do in every season, we are likely to be among the folks ready to march, to tutor, to rescue, to protest, to write letters, to get arrested. Because we believe that faith without works is dead, it may even be our default position to work and act in the face of sadness and loss. It is a human thing. It is an understandable thing. There is so much wisdom in placing our own losses in perspective by working with and for others whose losses are greater, whose needs are more acute. We are right in those inclinations and in our sense of urgency to do what we can for those who live their lives so much closer to the margin. But, but in this tender season, I want to encourage you to take a beat, to take a breath, to be as kind as yourself, kind to yourself as you can possibly be. Be as sad as you need to be, but take every chance you get to find something to be happy about. Open your heart so that you might meet the needs of others, but start by opening your own heart to yourself. Embrace your whole life because being alive is precious. Look to the enormous night sky then and the stars glittering above you. Consider not just the stars that perished so long ago, but the ones that still shine. Then move your gaze earthward to the constellation that is you and yours. Even in your sorrows, take time to rejoice. Take time to shine. Take time to be alive. Amen.